Welcome to the Health and Wellness Show, everybody. Today is Friday, July 13th, 2018. My name is Jonathan. I'll be your host for today. And joining me in our virtual studio from all over the planet, we have Doug, Erica, and Tiffany. Hey, guys. Hello. Hi. So uh, we have an interesting topic today. It may seem on the surface a little bit out of our normal range uh, because we are a health and wellness show. You could say that this ties in a little bit to mental health. Um, Mm -hmm. But we also do touch uh, from time to time on kind of like the state of culture and how that pertains to everybody's mental health. So that's that's what I'm going to claim is the connection here today. (laughs) (laughs) It works for me. It works. (laughs) But we did want to talk about this. Uh, So our topic uh, today is dudes in distress, the state of men and boys in the West. And uh, we were inspired to talk about this uh, uh, because of the emergence of the word incels in popular culture um and our listeners may or may not have heard this uh incel is short for involuntary celibate um and as you you may as everyone else who has heard this term roll your eyes uh you know because it does seem like on the surface like oh give me a break you know um (laughs) we have so much like identity politics going on right now and so much like victim culture and this just seems like one thing where it's like guys are involuntarily celibate like that's the oldest story in the history of of yeah you know uh, so like isn't everybody who's like interested in sex who isn't having it technically involuntarily celibate yeah Yeah. (laughs) but it's the it's the propensity of our culture to give words and terms to groups now i think is is one part of that um but so uh, on the lines of this topic today, we're also going to touch on um, MGTOW, uh, M-G-T-O-W stands for Men Going Their Own Way. Some of you have, may have heard of this group. Uh, and uh, the MRAs, Men's Rights Activists, is a whole other thing as well. Uh, we've talked about it a little bit before, but um, I think uh, just to get us started off, uh, uh, again, our listeners may or may not be familiar with a commentator named Ben Shapiro. Um, he's quite popular these days, but he's got a little bit here on incels. So I'm just going to play this. It's like three minutes, and then we'll come back. There's a very weird thing that people are now talking about online. It's something that they call incels. What in the world are incels, and why do they matter? Incels are involuntary celibates. Okay, in other words, people who want to have sex but are not, right? Which is to say, most of the population, I assume, right? But incels are involuntary celibates. The reason that they have become a thing is because last week, a couple of weeks ago, there's a 25-year-old Canadian killer who rammed his van into a crowd of people killing 10 and injuring 15, and the killer had written a Facebook post stating that the incel rebellion has already begun, and all the Chads and Stacys, which I guess is some sort of slang for attractive people, would pay the price. So there have been a bunch of think pieces about how to solve the problem of involuntary celibacy. Point number one, I don't understand why involuntary celibacy is a problem. If you haven't earned... If you haven't earned somebody's love and affection enough for them to have sex with you, I don't understand why this is society's problem. But it just demonstrates that the victimhood mentality has taken over everyone in our society. You're a loser and you can't find somebody to marry you? Maybe it's because you ought to get your act together. Hey, maybe the reason you're involuntarily celibate is because you have not made enough of yourself to earn somebody else's love and affection. But when you live in a society where sex is believed to be owed, when you live in a society that's constantly promising that, you, that sex is right around the corner. Casual sex is easy to get. It's not a problem. No one's ever going to require anything of you. Right? When you watch TV, 
and everybody is jumping in and out of the sack with everybody else, it does lead to a mentality that suggests I am owed this thing, right? I am owed sex. Everyone's getting it except for me. Involuntary celibacy is obviously a societal problem. But this is a very perverse view of sexuality. Ross Stout had at the New York Times has pointed out that for purposes of discussion, there are two types of incels. Okay, men who can't get sex as a general rule, it's usually men who are worried about involuntary celibacy, and people perceived by the left wing to be victimized by a society that has unfair standards of sexiness. So this would be people who are trans, who say that they can't have sex with the kind of people that they want to have sex with, because as trans people, society has set up rigid standards of sexuality, and people are falling prey to all of that. Well, Dowd had suggests that the solution posed by those who see involuntary celibacy as a problem to be solved will be the redistribution of sex. That in the end, what we will end up doing is sponsoring people so that they can hire prostitutes, or we can develop new technology like sex robots so we can have a quality of sex. You know, in the Bernie Sanders model, the top 1% of the 1% are having 99% of the sex, and we must redistribute the sex as well as the pudding. And this is the, the sort of move that Dowd Hat sees coming with regard to involuntary celibacy. Now, we all rightly rebel at this idea because this idea is gross and stupid. It's not your responsibility to make sure that anybody else has sex, obviously, nor is it your responsibility to have sex with somebody just because they would like to have sex with you. This is idiotic. But the reason this has even become an issue, the reason there are now all these think pieces, a lot of think pieces in the last week, about involuntary celibates and how we solve their problems is because of this stupid victimization mentality with regard to sex. So that's Shakira's yep. take on it. I think it's pretty accurate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> it's interesting, too, because um, it, I, I read uh, something interesting about it, and it was kind of... Um, it was interesting because it was kind of like this was a guy it's an author and unfortunately i don't remember his name he's a french author and he's written a lot of books and it was basically an article talking about how this guy kind of was talking about this sort of thing in his books for a long time and kind of like a lot of his main characters were basically kind of like these incel type people you know just really bitter and uh having difficulty with women and that sort of thing and what his kind of position on it was that kind of the the sexual revolution and like the the kind of opening up of the um you know getting rid of like a lot of the the mores and taboos against kind of sex and casual sex had kind of created this thing because it turned the um you know sexual relations into another kind of dominance hierarchy right where suddenly because it's like a free-for-all and everybody can have sex with anybody else then suddenly like a hierarchy is going to kind of develop where it's like the most attractive or desirable people are kind of at the top and they're having all the sex and then like the 99 percent at the bottom which is kind of what ben shapiro was going into there are are the people who basically are 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 you know maybe 99 percent is a bit strong but you know it's it's basically you you have these just disenfranchised people kind of at the bottom of this pyramid and it's kind of like the people who are are forgotten and um you know become bitter and consider themselves victims and all these sorts of things anyway i thought it was an interesting kind of look at it yeah totally well i think um <clears throat> one aspect of this is uh companionship too it's not just sex right it's like i mean if uh, if sex were the only issue, I think it would be a much different conversation. But I really do think mm. it comes down to a a, feel, a sense of loneliness among this group of, of young men. Um, and I'm not. Please don't mistake me as trying to justify anything that's that's stupid that they're claiming. You know what I mean? But uh, what I what I'm getting at is I think that there's something that needs to be looked into 
and just disgust and in and, and as like why do these men feel so disenfranchised when I think we all understand at a core level that that you as you develop yourself and if you decide that you're looking for a partner you need to meet them halfway and be somebody who is you know attractive to be with not not physically I mean sure physically if that's something that's important but it's I think more so about character and about your um, you know what you have and what you've built in life for yourself um, not even success but just stability and things like that that people are looking for because um, <clears throat> it struck me I was I was reading about this before the show and, and seeing like pictures of these men that claim you know incel status and I had to chuckle a little bit because a couple of them I thought were to me more attractive than I consider myself to be <laughs> so I was like what's the what's the deal here <laughs> you know and so then it occurred to me that it might be a character thing and it might be something where bitterness has so enveloped uh, these guys in their minds that they are now not attractive because of that because you can sense that when somebody has that mm -hmm. held bitterness and, and jaded you know sense towards life um, mm. because I think it, that's that's a big part of it the character I think there's yeah. a difference between these hardcore incels and just your average everyday Joe Joe who just yearns for a girlfriend but he's somewhat socially inept and he doesn't score at all mm -hmm. yeah but these incels, like if you read about them or actually read about some of the things that they say on their groups, I mean, they're pretty much a hate group. And I don't think it necessarily comes down to just them being mad because they can't have sex. I think right. that if they were having sex, they still would be just as hateful <laughs> as they are. I think there's just something pathological about these particular people, I these hardcore yeah. incels. Totally. Well, if they got into a situation where, like you said, say they were having sex with, with a woman or some kind of relationship, the instant that woman maligns their character in any way or mm -hmm. their manhood or something like that, you know, who knows if they could have an outburst or at the very least they're going to become even more jaded. Because um, yeah. I think that's yeah. part of the thing. Like men deep down, like evolutionarily, if that's the right word, that, you know, we attach our sexual status in society to our own perception of ourself it's like an old old thing that's baked into us and so these men are having a hard time let's just say finding relationships um they consider that a reflection on their own you know worth as a, as a man um not as a human but also just as like a, a, what we consider a man to be you know um but the thing, I, I th like, there's a quote from Rogan where he was talking with this, with Jordan Peterson about this, and he said, incels need to become men. And I thought that that was a really interesting quote because uh, I went through that own pro that, that process in my own life where um, my current partner, uh, Katie, we've been together for nine years. And when we first met, I was scared shitless of her, pardon my French, but mainly of all women. And it came out, you know, when we would hang out and I'd be so nervous about everything I said and everything I did and it was really like a turnoff you know? <laughs> and I got and I got told that like dude you got to relax you know and uh I'm grateful to her for telling me that but a lot of women I think when they encounter that are just like take get away you know like you're too much right now <laughs> and I think yeah. that's what a lot of these guys are like they're they're afraid of women because of how it reflects on their own status and their perception mm -hmm. of themselves and that comes out and then causes them to be 
you know, repulsive in a certain sense. Well, some of them go so far as to actually profess their hate for women. Yeah. Like yeah. some of the things they say, like comparing women's vaginas to roast beef if they're not virgins, <laughs> or uh, calling for rape of women, or just having this sense of entitlement that they should be able to have sexual access to all beautiful women, young women, preferably, at, at that, will. Yeah, that really is ugly. It's really mm -hmm. ugly. I'd propose that that is at least one result of uh, porn culture. Yeah. Absolutely. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I think that media actually does have a lot to do with this. I mean, you you talked about this before, Jonathan, but the it's kind of like we have this this projection um, from our media, from television shows, from movies, and all this kind of stuff that everybody, you know, everybody gets. It's almost like they everybody has a right to some kind of relationship with a, a super sexy woman or whatever. You know, you've got Instagram models kind of coming through your feed all the time, and like, it's it just warps the perception. I mean, not even getting into porn, which completely warps perceptions. Yeah. But it's like it's kind of like by having this kind of dangled in front of you constantly, it's like there's a um, a certain entitlement almost that seems to come into the brain. It's like you know this stuff is all out there why why don't i have it you know and it's kind of like before all this media and, and and stuff like this i don't think that anybody really i mean there might have been a few outliers but i don't think anybody really had this kind of attitude that they had a right to sleep with whatever attractive woman they wanted to uh, psychopaths probably did but yeah yeah, yeah sure. i think these these really hardcore incels probably are psychopaths and now they have a platform and like some average Joe who's probably just a lonely guy living in a basement somewhere who can't get a girlfriend gets on these sites and they get radicalized maybe in some way and the movement grows. But I well, think at the very heart and at the very top of it is psychopaths or pathological yeah. types spreading their ideologies. Yeah, or that, even I'm oh. sorry. I'm sorry, Erica, go ahead. Oh no, I was go on, Jonathan. <laughs> okay. Uh I, I guess I was just gonna say like the power of a um of a group of a group that you identify with. Like to your example there, Tiff, like if there say there's a, a, a guy who's a psychopath who like just utterly hates women and and has completely embraced this sense of rejection and so now he's pulling other men into his sphere. And on the other side of the country there's some kid who's like 21 who's you know unsure of himself and <clears throat> has been rejected by a lot of women and all that and so he sees these messages online identifies with that and then gradually over time it takes root you know and then he might find himself a year or two years later saying things hateful about women when that may not have been his original state of mind so i think it's it's an it's like a small scale example of, of ponerology or ponerogenesis right how that happens in those groups yeah, and a lot of these young guys may have had one bad experience and instead of kind of picking yourself up and learning from it or realizing that maybe not all women are that way, mm -hmm. that yeah. maybe they just had a bad experience, that, that, that those kind of online ideas reinforce that, that they're, all women are that way. It becomes very black and white thinking instead of yeah. living in the gray area. Yeah, and I wonder like where where this idea really takes root because I'm, I'm not trying to 
hold myself up and say I'm better than anybody else, but I'm thinking of examples from my own life, like how to identify with it. I've had women laugh at me before when I, mm. when I tried to flirt, you know, and it's incredibly hurtful, uh, <laughs> but it didn't make me hate women. And so now yeah. I'm wondering, like, you know, and I have my own failings. I'm, you know, I, I, I have hated before. I have felt all sorts of messed up things before. So I'm like, how come I didn't go in that direction? You know, what stopped me from, from hating women after that encounter? Or what does Probably because you, you know, had other positive experiences with women. Sure. Kind of balance it out. Sure. But I think that maybe, like, I wonder about these radical feminists, like, what happened to them? Like, what did their father do to them? Why do they hate men so much? And there's also another movement. I forget what they call themselves, but uh, Save Yourselves Black Men or something like that. So <laughs> it's about uh, <laughs> these are black guys who will not date black women. And so on this particular site, they post all this denigrating stuff about black women and how they only date outside of their race. But this particular leader in this group, you know, he'll post something about his mother and he'll call her his incubator or something like that. It's like, I'm mean, yeah. pretty sure that his relationship with his mother was not good. So yeah. I'm wondering if kind of one of the reasons that these incels are formed, like these really pathological ones, is because of some really awful things that happen between, between them and their mothers. Maybe, yeah. like some awful things that might have happened between radical feminists and their fathers. Yeah, or like that sure. radical feminist view that all men are just sperm donors and mm -hmm. that's all they're really good for. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, somebody in our chat asked uh, <clears throat> what Chad's and Stacy's are. Oh, they got a response. Yeah, but that is a term <laughs> that you might come across that, that they say Chad's and Stacy's are essentially people who are having, you know, relationships. Essentially, mm, yeah. everybody else are Chads and Stacys. Yeah. So I keep coming back to this feeling like, why are we talking about this? You know, <laughs> but uh, but I I do think that it's it's endemic of something larger, and that kind of brings me, because like normally we would just say like these are a small group of guys, and I, I know that there was the Toronto uh, bus accident, and that was the guy claimed or uh, an accident uh, murders. Sorry. That the uh, the attack with the with the bus in Toronto that that guy claimed that he was an incel and so it's like that doesn't mean that all incels are dangerous right mm -hmm. it means that some people are dangerous and unstable everybody well, is part of the public you know anybody who kind of labels themselves as an incel I would I would go I mean it doesn't mean they're all capable of murder of course yeah but they are like you know if you look at any of the things that they're posting like if you're if you're calling yourself an incel it's kind of saying that you are this radical misogynist uh well i mean what's what's it called when somebody hates all humanity because that's more or less what they are hater misanthropist yeah misanthropic yeah. person yeah. yeah i mean it's it's like and they're they're you know talking about these like rape fantasies and like they they at least fantasize about mass killings and there was even one post i saw from one guy who was saying killing is like a waste of time because these people need to be punished so he was favoring things like acid attacks mm -hmm. like it really it really yeah. is like at the very least sick and twisted even if those people aren't going to act on it they're yeah. encouraging others to act on it so i think 
you know, <clears throat> I think what you were saying, Jonathan, is just because somebody is involuntarily celibate, they aren't um, dangerous. But I think if, right. if somebody's going to actually, you know, identifies with that group incel, like there, yeah. there's something severely wrong with them. Right. Are, are yeah, there I'm women incels too? I mean, well, I the didn't... incels will claim that no woman can c claim to be an incel. Okay, because right. women aren't involuntarily celibate. No, because okay. anybody would just have sex with a woman. Doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think the reason that this is important and why we're talking about it is because this kind of adds fuel to the feminist fire when they start railing on and on about toxic masculinity and yeah. you know all males are violent and they're all shooters and they're capable of killing and rape and they're just born bad so this kind of gives credence to their arguments but this is such a small percentage of the male population but it's getting a lot of attention now yeah yeah, yeah i agree it's kind it's of Oh, go ahead, Doug. Sorry. Well, I was just going to say it's it's very like that term toxic masculinity is is so brutal. Well, I mean, it's toxic in and of itself, I think. And like just the idea that um, something about masculinity itself, like as if this incel movement somehow is is, um, you know, the same thing as masculinity. Like there's something mm -hmm. there's something inherently wrong with masculinity that makes these guys go crazy or school shooters go off or all that kind of thing. It's just, it, it really is extremely damaging to compare all men to these kinds of extremist, you know, sickos, basically. Yeah, they're not toxically masculine. They're just toxic, period. Yeah. They're toxic people. And toxic yeah. people come in both sexes. I totally agree. Yeah, Tiff, when you mentioned the... Uh, <clears throat> the the idea of, of black men who only date white women that that, that, mm. that just struck me that like bringing race into this topic is just so that's I mean, intersectional it's, it's, it's so <laughs> incendiary yeah <laughs> I mean it's uh, you know because it's already hard to talk about topics you know just in public and with people mm -hmm. um, but what, I, I feel like when we start mixing all these things together it just becomes so fraught with you know not danger but just like the I guess what I mean is that it's so easy to um, to ramp up the energy around a conversation to the point where it'll get you know derailed, uh, and then you've lost whatever you're trying to achieve there. Um, more so, I think, online and like social media, less so in face-to-face -face conversations. But well, and there's no solutions offered. It's not like let's talk it out or work it out or well, find the incels they want government-sponsored girlfriend programs. <laughs> That'll solve all their problems. <laughs> That's the incel utopia. What, yeah, what's the so, what's the acronym for that? Like uh, welfare no. for Would they be politically sexual they be politically welfare? Left? Would they be considered politically left then because of that? Which is an in, another interesting conundrum because a lot of them I think would consider themselves alt right. Uh -huh. You know, but it's like it's just identity politics at that point. Totally. I think it's like, yeah. it, and it's like, it's it's more of the um, victim Olympics, right? Mm -hmm. Like just like, mm -hmm. no, I'm the biggest victim. But, yeah. And then even when you boil it all down, like if you look at these incels, to me they're pretty much male versions of radical feminists, mm -hmm. just on the other end of the spectrum. 
mean, it's the same quest for power and to try and, you know, take it from anybody that they can get it from. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that kind of brings us on to uh, MGTOW, mm -hmm. which uh, men going their own way, which is, I think, uh, more like incels, the word just kind of popped up, I think, because, you know, I think the mainly Toronto because attack. Of the, the Toronto attack. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but the MGTOW group has been around for some time. I uh, came across it last year uh, and um, had a friend who was kind of telling me about it. And it's another interesting cultural phenomenon. There's a lot of hate. There's a lot of hate in the MGTOW groups because the idea is men saying that they don't need women for, for anything, right? Except, mm -hmm. you know, reproduction, of course. <laughs> so uh, that's part of it. A big part of the MGTOW thing is, is um, hiring prostitutes because that's essentially what women are for. It's for sex, mm -hmm. you know, in their view. And it's very, very... I mean, disrespectful is the wrong word. It's it's out and out hateful. But uh, what I find interesting about this, from like an anthropological perspective, is how did again, like with the incels, is how did these men find themselves in this place? And um, I think it's a culmination of of uh, how do you say? I'm trying to say what what I can picture in my mind is like, you know, um, ponerogenesis happens when psychopaths are at the top of the of the power chain right and their attitudes and their disregard for humanity trickle down into the attitudes of the society that they govern mm -hmm. uh <clears throat> and i can see that happening uh in in migtau as well and it, it happens from men who have been extremely uh like they've run into say a psychopathic woman and they may not the men may not be psychopaths themselves but they've had such a damaging experience that now you know, they feel so uh, um, motivated to start a crusade against women because it was such a damaging experience that that seed of negativity and hatred kind of spreads out from, you know, um, I'm sure many people aren't familiar with this, but if if you care to look it up, it's a, it's a pretty interesting story. Dave Foley from Kids in the Hall, uh, if any of you guys are, uh, remember that show, the Canadian mm -hmm. sketch yeah. show from back in the day. Um, he went through an awful, awful divorce. I mean, the story is just horrible to the point where now he, he lives in the States. He can't go back to Canada. He has to make at least a million dollars a year to pay his ex-wife, ordered by the Canadian court. <clears throat> oh, my God. If he doesn't do this, he'll be extradited. And if he goes back to Canada, he'll be put in jail because he can never pay all of what he owes. So, <laughs> just, uh, I mean, yeah, it's, it really, really sucks. I mean, he's found himself, in, you know, until this woman... Uh, you know, dies, I guess, or drops the lawsuit, he's he's in for all this money for the rest of his life. So that's a man who I could see going to some a group like MGTOW, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and other men... Probably a lot of guys who joined that probably had some really awful, awful experience with a female psychopath. They probably didn't know she was a psychopath. Yeah. Thought she was crazy and difficult, but I can see why a lot of men would join a group. Then on the other hand, I can't see, like if you had positive relations with women, with your mother in particular growing up, with sisters and aunts and all of that, I can't see how one or a couple even bad experiences can totally just ruin you. how you think yeah. about women. Yeah. So it there's just, something yeah. about some of these guys, maybe they have some kind of fragility or... Uh, 
a history of unstable relationships with women. I don't know. I can't really say, but it just seems strange how people can have a bad experience and just go to such, such extremes. Extreme. Well, that exactly, and that's the thing with this the Dave Foley story. I've heard him talk about this in interviews, and he doesn't hate women, mm-hmm. you know. And if anybody mm-hmm. should, it should be him. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, it is like, you know, there are men who have been through less than he's been through and are more bitter about it. Mm-hmm. And so I, I do think it's a, it's a defect of character and it's a, yeah, it's a it's... sense of entitlement and whininess, you know, and basically you just want to smack somebody and tell them to get over it. Well, just to be able to, like, I mean, like you guys have kind of been saying, but like to, to go through a bad experience and then paint an entire group of people. Mm-hmm with mm-hmm. the same brush. I mean, maybe, you know, some of these people might have had several bad experiences or something, but just, like, to be able to say, I had an ex- bad, a really bad experience with this one woman, therefore, I'm going to kind of apply what I went through with that to the entire group of all women. Yeah. You know, they're well, all like that. <clears throat> this is an interesting point, because painting groups of people with a broad brush is kind of what we do now. That's, like, mm. the main thing now, you know, so... um <clears throat> just like with the race issues and the, the gender issues and sexuality issues. I mean, I can't tell you, and I haven't even been as much as, as most people, but just it's surprised me how many times I've had people say something like, well, you're just a cis white man. And I'm mm-hmm. like, dude, <laughs> that's exactly what we're trying to get away from. So, like, I understand the power structure that implies... You know, the concept that reverse racism doesn't exist. I get the, that the power structure is there and why people would come to that conclusion. But the attitude is the same. And it's the same with, with gender and with uh, sexuality and stuff, too. It's like it, the scales have tipped so hard to the other side that now the, the original problem, which was painting people with a broad brush, is now we've come back to that. Right back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And it, I find it's even uh, probably where I see it the most is actually in politics. Like mm-hmm. uh, Republicans painting all Democrats as this and vice versa, it just it's 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 crazy. It's like the mm-hmm. identity politics thing, and it's like you know people who the, the funny thing is that a lot of Republicans will complain about you know leftists being obsessed with identity politics, but then they just turn around and engage in it themselves. It's just <laughs> it's it's actually it's crazy. Yeah, and it's like personal lives, like the, what was it the. Prime Minister of New Zealand had her baby at work, and uh, they made a point to say that she was not married. You know, like that was this defining aspect of who she was, that that she didn't need to be married to have this baby. I mean, it just gets, it it starts to make your mind a little fuzzy. Mm -hmm. For for me, I just am like, wow, I, I don't even know what to think anymore. Yeah. Well, I think that one of the bad things about this it's kind of like the the me too movement and how they completely trivialize sexual harassment which doesn't really have a definite definition anyway but um it kind of takes away the nuance everything is black and white and again with this incel thing there really are men and boys who are struggling i mean they don't go to extremes i mean um Men have gotten the short end of the stick in a lot of ways, especially recently. Um, yeah. They comprise most of the high school dropouts. They are most of the people that are in prison. 
They get harsher sentences for the same crime that a woman commits. They get screwed in family courts and criminal courts. Uh, they are enrolling in college and lower numbers than women. So there really is something that is going on with men and boys completely outside of this incel yeah. movement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and the young ones being told too, you know, like what it was one of the articles we were talking or read was about uh, how two generations of uh, over 50 years of uh, single mothers raising boys. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if there's no positive male role model, even not the father, but just mm-hmm. like you're saying, uncle or yeah, brother or something, the neighbor down the street, even. Yeah, they, they, there's, um, you know, and then they're being told that they're going to be a rapist or that they shouldn't be boyish. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, my gosh. I mean, in the next 10 or 15 years, it's just going to get to the point where it's frightening. I mean, already it's hard enough growing up in the world as it is without all these different aspects to muddy the waters mm-hmm. even more. Well, yeah. it's like Jonathan was just talking about how everything has kind of come back on itself. Like this whole idea, like, you know, it seemed like what we were working for since the 60s was kind of a, a freedom and just kind of accept someone for who they are. Don't look at people yeah. as, you know, a, a member of a group that you can paint with the same brush. And it's like it came all the way back around to like, well, all men are like this and it's toxic. And, you know, and then you have basically, you know, they're, they're looking to institute programs from like kindergarten where they're telling boys that they have to suppress this masculine part of themselves, that it's, it's yeah. toxic, that it's bad. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine how damaged a kid would be if from the day that he enters school, essentially, he's told that everything about himself is, is bad mm-hmm. and that he's a potential rapist and, like, that he oppresses women? It's like that, that you're going to have generations of boys who are so damaged that it's just completely dysfunctional it's kind of no wonder like we were talking about on our last week's show that people are retreating into like video games and porn and like it, mm-hmm. it's not surprising it's like there's there's nothing of value out there in life for them mm-hmm. yeah yeah and then things just like being a gentleman opening a door you know yeah. offering a girl a coat like all these things that are I would think normal, a nice gesture, you know? I mean, I always ask if, if, if I can't lift something, I'm going to ask a guy to do it. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. is that bad? I don't know. But to teach children at a young age that, well, I mean, what are they supposed to do? Act more like girls? I, I'm <laughs> I don't know. It's basically telling boys that they're disposable. They have no role. They have no place in society. Their jobs biological jobs as providers and protectors of women and their families nobody needs them so what are they going to do yeah yeah play video games and watch porn yeah yeah more or less it kind of seems like it's kind of an outgrowth of feminism right because Mm -hmm. if uh if women can do anything that men can do only with uh high heels on (laughs) then that you know what what use is a man like the man's role has been essentially like just completely taken and uh you know it you know i i don't i don't necessarily blame the feminists for having the perspective that you know because again we can't paint everybody with the same brush and there's going to be women out there who are you know can do 
the same or similar jobs to what men can do and there's going to be women who are more attracted to a more traditional female role and i don't think that people should be assigned something based on their sex i mean that's ridiculous but essentially if you are in a society where um men's role is no longer defined because there's got to be a woman out there who can do it at as least at, at least as well if not better then what are they left to do other than just sit there and rot yeah and i think the uh there's the uh i guess the the nice guy issue too right you always hear that like mm. women don't like nice guys like they want a bad boy kind of thing mm-hmm. uh and <clears throat> i've heard women say that before too like you know just not you know you're too nice or like and not to me but to other people i have had it said to me but a long time ago <laughs> but um <laughs> what i've seen it over and over and over uh i mean it's happened to me once that's so not in my own life but over and over in all of my friends lives and i've seen this in other contexts where uh you know nice guy with with a woman he's too nice she doesn't have any excitement in her life she's gonna go date a bad boy that lasts for about a month you know, and then they come back like, oh, well, he was just, you know, he was mean or that was too much or too intense. Back to the nice guy. One of the nice guys too nice again after another month or two. So it's <laughs> like <clears throat> what I think that people are missing in this picture is that what men should be. And I, I hesitate at the word should, but uh, I think deep down kind of like what we yearn to be is a mixture of those things, you know, mm-hmm. gentle but strong when you have to be. The, you know, able to like lift heavy things and also be, you know, uh, intimate, you know, or like a combination of gentleness and strength, uh, compassion, um, you know, consideration for other people, like these elements of character coming together. That's what people are looking for. But we're so keyed in on extremes that you either have to be like, you know, uh, one of the sons of anarchy or <laughs> like Mr. Rogers. These are like these two extremes, you know. Well, I think that these so-called bad boys, what they're good at is kind of providing a caricature of that strong, confident, masculine man that most women want. But then once the woman gets to know him a little better, she finds out that he's all types of crazy. And that confidence isn't really confidence. It's basically just... show. Yeah, it's just... Bravado, uh, yeah. Bravado or a mad quest for power and domination and they think that it's confidence and it's really not and then they go back to the nice guy but in some ways the nice guy probably shouldn't be so nice (laughs) he should probably work on his confidence and his strength well yeah yeah, and i think that's part of it i think that you know it's termed the nice guy but really i think what it comes down to is a guy who can't stand up for himself you know a guy who 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 kind of it's like the 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 stereotype of the cook the cuck, right? The yeah. guy who the C U C K. Yes. Yeah, we didn't. It was always that. like okay. just, um, you know, yes, dear, okay, dear, no problem. Like, you know, the guy who basically won't just kind of stand up for himself and, <clears throat> you know, set boundaries essentially. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, that seems like you know what you want. It's like, oh, I've got a servant. How nice. But it's like <laughs> you don't. You're not going to be attracted to that servant, right? Like, eventually, you're just going to be like, dude, like, stand up for yourself. Come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think they called it whipped back in the day, remember? Yeah. Or, yeah. Or doormat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that so is unattractive. The, 
yeah I mean, it's even it's even unattractive in a non-sexual sense you know what i mean just just in a human relation sense when you see somebody who's who's a pushover who's kind of a doormat you're like i mean you feel like compassion for that person you want to like want them to stand up but you're also kind of like man like uh like, come on <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> uh, so i think yeah i think it's i think it's repulsive because it's not what we it's not one of our ideals you know mm-hmm. um, and yeah. women are do the same thing too you know that sickening sweet all yeah. do anything and then you know they fall apart and they turn psycho and <laughs> you know i mean just just reading like uh gabber mate's about when the body says no about all these women that you know serve 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 out of some sense of duty and then get sick and die because mm-hmm. they can't make boundaries for themselves and you know so i think every human being struggles with nice and not nice and where is the the balance between the two yeah it all comes down to character it's not anything that can be ascribed to any one sex or gender or whatever we're calling it these days (laughs) fill in the blank i think well this is kind of a half-formed thought but i think that um it kind of seems like what this whole toxic masculinity and all that kind of stuff is kind of pointing towards is that women are saying that that's what they want right that like a guy who is kind of um has solid boundaries will stand up for himself it's like those things are kind of um painted as toxic you know i mean maybe you know it's more the aggressive side of that that i think that they're objecting to in a lot of cases Mm -hmm. but it seems like that's the, the the kind of the toxic aspect that or what they're calling toxic um so they're kind of saying well we want men who are like more like women you know gentle and you know pushovers more or less when i think that what we're saying here is that it probably is the case that women don't actually want that no right no but they'll uh, have all these university programs where they'll make these young guys sit in confessional booths and confess their crimes of hyper masculinity (laughs) (laughs) yeah that is an interesting thing how how might you be toxic I've heard that, Mm -hmm. that that's part of some of the the curriculum that are happening right now, like the interrogate, I think uh, more so in the context of uh, racism and bigotry, right, where you're supposed to explore how you might be a racist that you have not yet discovered. And now, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I do think that there's something interesting in there because we all have things about ourselves that we haven't discovered and you have to delve into your own mind to, to learn about who you are. So, but they're not framing it in that context at all. What they're saying is, you're a racist. You need to tell me why. You know, it's and, actually. It's this, I think it's really ridiculous. Yeah, and it's the same thing with with the misogyny too. I'm sorry, Doug. I cut you off. No, no, no. That's okay. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say that it, it seemed like I, I I saw something very interesting. A guy in a YouTube video the other day who was talking about how, uh, you know, it to say that somebody is like is it, like all white people are racist is is kind of ridiculous on his face and what he's he was saying is that there is kind of a natural tendency for people to be more comfortable with their own in-group right mm-hmm. so it's like you are a white person you've grown up around white people so you are going to have more comfort like a more comfortable level with other white people and when you're in suddenly like a group of black people will say you might there might be some level of like oh i'm not in my usual um 
milieu here. So, um, you know, I might be a little bit more nervous or a little bit more, um, I don't know how exactly to act. I don't know what's cool here and what's not. But to call that like some kind of subconscious racism is just kind of ridiculous mm -hmm. because really it's just kind of like an inborn biology that people are more comfortable with their in-group. So the idea that, um, you know, there's these microaggressions or something like that. I think that you can be very conscious of whether or not you are actually racist. Do you wish harm upon this other racial group? No, mm -hmm. then I'd say you're probably not a racist, you know? Yeah. It, it, you know, I, th I think that these things kind of get exaggerated. Um, and I think that it's probably the same kind of thing with, uh, with the whole misogynist thing that like, you know, dudes probably have a certain level of comfort around other dudes. And it might, if they're in a group of women, they're kind of like maybe out of their own, you know, this, it certainly doesn't explain everybody because I know there are a lot of guys out there who are actually perfectly comfortable hanging out with a group of women. But mm -hmm. um, I think that might be part of what's kind of going on there. Sure. <clears throat> well, I think it's it, it, to to what you're saying. Uh, I find myself feeling sensitive about things in the current, you know, social political sphere when I'm with a group of women. Uh, and so, it, in in my context, I referee for roller derby, so this actually happens quite a bit where I'm the only man with like 20 women, um, and it, it does it comes up in my mind like, oh, what should I say or like you know, don't, don't look at somebody the wrong way or like, you know, you think these thoughts. And I think that that's part of like the current environment coming up. But if I let those thoughts go, we're just people hanging out. And if I really <clears throat> delve into that in my own mind, all of the awkwardness and all of the weird things that are, that are overlaid, that interaction come from the, the, the media essentially, or like uh, external influences. They don't come mm -hmm. from my own intentions towards other people. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So now I'm, now I'm convinced that I think something that I don't really think, you know, or why am I nervous? Because yeah. there's no danger that I'm going to like ogle, ogle somebody, you know, <laughs> it's like, yeah. but, but I'm afraid that I might, you know, it's very strange. Yeah. Yeah. So and it's the same kind of thing as telling all, all kids, you know, young boys that they're all potential rapists. It's like, you know, yeah. if they internalize that and they actually think it, then of course they're going to be uncomfortable in a group of women. They're like Jesus. I might accidentally rape one of these women. Even to. <laughs> Jesus. Well, there has so, been some some uh, pushback against this. There was a documentary called The Red Pill Movie, and it was uh, by a woman named Cassie J, who used to call herself a feminist until she did this movie. Uh, she actually talked with a bunch of guys that were in the men going their own way movement and she actually saw their point of view and she doesn't claim to be a feminist anymore because she was able to get to know people personally and not paint them with broad brushes but yeah. she got excoriated by feminists for even making oh, this yeah. movie and people were telling her that her career was over Netflix wouldn't carry the movie so she got a lot of flack from that but I think on certain levels that people are waking up to this whole identity politics BS and toxic masculinity crap that's being peddled by the media yeah yeah and I think that's a big reason why Jordan Peterson is so popular now a lot of his critics like to point out that the majority of his audience is young men but 
if that is true and it probably is i think it might be i saw him speak once and there were a lot of men but there were a lot of women there too it's not like i pulled yeah, out was my clicker very, and started counting very diverse group yeah young old yeah, alike say that mm-hmm. yeah he said he thought it was about 40 percent women give mm-hmm. or take yeah but he's obviously yeah. saying something that people find meaning in. people can resonate with it and he's given people a lot of hope and he's telling people basically to clean their rooms stop being a victim and get yourself together yeah and he's a role model for a lot of people not just young men and boys for women too but he's playing a a good role in society and people hate him for it (laughs) yeah yeah a lot of people well a lot of people like him i mean and that's going to be the same with with anybody a lot of people hate and a lot of people like but i mean i'm i'm grateful to him that he has the resolve to keep going because certainly all of the uh the flaming that he's getting would drive anyone insane mm-hmm. you know if you were to actually get into it but speaking of peterson i wanted to talk about his idea of um enforced monogamy and i think that that's getting like super super misinterpreted um you've <laughs> seen any of like the the hit pieces on him that talk, that, that cite that quote um but it's especially incendiary right now because there's that show on on Hulu, The Handmaid's Tale, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and that you know that <clears throat> a lot of people are seeing that as like kind of a new Orwellian prediction, you know, that that men are going to take over society and oppress women into like a, a, a an old like biblical type of society, um, and that's playing into that because when, now when people hear Jordan Peterson, who in their minds is this alt right guy, you know, he might as well be like uh, you know Richard Spencer or something and um, they hear him say enforce monogamy and of course that sounds on the surface of it like we're gonna round up women and make them be with one person you know (laughs) Um, but what he was talking about it was uh, culturally enforced so in the idea of it being a value that people hold Mm -hmm. so that if your friend is sleeping around with a lot of women and hurting people you know, or, or doing things that are destructive, you say, hey, dude, you should, probably shouldn't be doing that. And you use your, you know, stand, your status as a, as a friend uh, and you use the, the moral standards of your culture to quote unquote enforce that standard. So that's what he was talking about, not actual physical enforcement um, or like cultural. Um, so I thought that was interesting, but I have heard a lot of people saying, re- especially recently that uh, that Peterson wants to, to round up women as sex slaves, which is just yeah. like so over the top. His well, response I'm not to that mer- is really funny too, because he he's like he's like, why would they accuse me of having a perspective that nobody has? Like nobody <laughs> yeah. feels that way. Nobody. That's just that, ridiculous. Yeah. It's like it, it it's like there there is no segment of the population other than perhaps incels that actually would support <laughs> something like that. So for right. them to smear him with that is just ridiculous. Yeah. Well, isn't it? Wasn't it a psychology term? Like I can't remember. Sociology, who. I think. Sociology, yeah. So it was yeah. like a term that was Enforced taken. Enforced monogamy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was taken was, out of context. Yeah. Yeah. And that's well, somebody perfect. said, like, isn't that what marriage is? I mean, who gets married <laughs> and says, "Oh, I figure, you know, my husband's going to cheat on me, and I'm going to cheat on him. We're just going to have nobody goes into marriage thinking that they think they're going to be the two of them." just for each other for the rest of their lives yeah. unless you're a polygamist <laughs> well people do have, people do have open relationships but i've never heard of it working yeah yeah 
Well, I did a, uh, read a piece recently, but I think it was completely bogus. It was allegedly some study, and I couldn't find the original source, but they said that open relationships are just as successful as monogamous relationships. Yeah, I don't believe it. <laughs> no, I don't no. believe it. Just as successful for drama. I think there was drama. an agenda behind that. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. He's, try he's trying to convince his partner or her partner. <laughs> <laughs> so I think Look, everyone's doing it. Yeah. <laughs> we should, too. It's an interesting uh, uh, concept, um, and I think it, it also requires some subtlety to talk about, because I don't think Peterson's not saying that people shouldn't date either, right? Mm -hmm. um, or, like by the idea of dating, let's just to be plain about it, say you, you meet a person, you go out on some dates, say four or five dates, you have sex, you might be together for like three months, it doesn't work out, then you start looking for somebody else to date. That's kind of like Seems that's like not even my definition of dating no <laughs> no see me too then that's but i grew up like in the church so i always figured i had a skewed vision of it but to me in my own mind dating is you go out on some dates and you see if you're compatible and mm -hmm. then in the context of the church of course you date until you decide that you might want to get married and you don't have sex until after you get married mm -hmm. i i personally don't agree that sex needs to be in the confines of marriage but i do think it needs to be dealt with pretty carefully you yes. know what I mean? Um, and so that's where I'm saying it requires some subtlety. I don't think Peterson is saying that everybody needs to be a prude and not have sex with anybody. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think what he's saying is we need to tone it down a little bit. And you shouldn't have 30 sexual partners by the time you're 30. You know, like that kind of thing. Um, yeah, treat sexual <laughs> relations with the respect that they deserve. That's serious yeah. business. But that's not what the media culture no. displays at all. No. Right. So we want to have men trying to like align the the visions of, of these various groups is, and I'm being a bit facetious here, but so we want to have men be, uh, you know, uh, deferential uh, to to women on all counts, all the time, every time, and, and never claim even if she doesn't could, deserve it. <laughs> yeah, and and never claim anything that could be in, uh, inferred as being manly or, or masculine in any way. <coughs> uh, so. And yet, um, we want to promote a culture where uh, sex is the end-all, be-all, and you can go out and have sex with anybody you want. And come, what comes with that is, uh, you know, surface um, qualities that are held up as ideals, namely, you know, physical shape. Um, so that's, you know, the whole the whole quagmire of uh, magazine models and beautiful people on, on magazine covers and on TV and creating this false standard for people. So what I'm trying to say is, like, they want men to be a certain way, but they also want to enforce a culture that will end up with men being the opposite. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. If we enforce a, culture, uh, a sexually promiscuous culture, men are not going to be the men that you want them to be. Hmm. You know? That's that my true. opinion. Or the men that are like that are going to sin against themselves because they think that they're, they, they should be more sexually promiscuous. Mm -hmm. Right. It just creates confusion all around. Yeah. Like these people who have these really <laughs> strong beliefs, they're aiming for some kind of utopia, but they can't even really define what that would look like. Basically, they just want everything that they want when they want it, and that for them is utopia. And I don't think they kind of even think about the social ramifications. The long term. Yeah, of everybody just doing what they want. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, well, and it comes down to too. It's like, this may seem kind of off topic, off topic, but I think it applies. I was thinking recently about how, if you look at the left and the right politically, I know there's simplistic categorizations, so I'm not meaning to be overly simplistic. But for the example, uh, the left generally thinks that rights are given by the authority structure that's in place, and the right generally thinks generally thinks that rights are inherent that your, your rights yeah. are quote-unquote God-given, or you have them no matter who tells you what rights you do or don't have. But if you look at it in that way, it, just as an example, it does kind of spread out into other areas, like you said, sexuality, finances. You know, uh, there's a group of people who think that, uh, that the power structure that's in place should give them those things, as mm -hmm. opposed to them needing to work for and earn those things. Mm -hmm. so. But then, like Jordan Peterson says, where's the responsibility in that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's exactly. like it's like the abortion issue, you know, not to go off topic, but no, you know, not. sure, it's a right and this whole Roe versus Wade thing, but it's also a personal responsibility. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, going back to the enforced monogamy thing, I just I'll ask you guys a question because Peterson, the whole enforced monogamy thing came up from this whole incel business. Right, the whole uh, mm -hmm. when incels really broke onto the scene with this whole uh, Toronto van attack, um, Peterson said that he thought the solution to it was enforced monogamy, and it was kind of like a point of I, I know that Joe Rogan was kind of like I don't really see how that um, you know that 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 is necessarily a solution, so I'm just wondering what you guys think. Well, solution to put you on the spot, word, I think. Yeah, no, I think solution is a funny word because, you know, it can't be, and I, I think George Peterson was saying that be, because that's how you need to say that to have an efficient conversation, you know what I mean? Hmm. You have to use words that could easily be misinterpreted, but then that's why you have a conversation so you can delve into it. But I think, I, I think if you grilled him about it, he wouldn't say that that would fix it, you know? And I think that that's how people interpret it. They're, oh, he's saying that enforced monogamy will just fix all this and we'll stop having random violent attacks from people, you know. Um, but I do think it's an interesting concept. I think that if, so to his idea of enforced monogamy, culturally enforced, that if we were to work on restoring that value without the, the prudish and, and dogmatic edge you know, that mm. Protestant Christianity has had for so long, and, and Islam, to be frank, but a lot of these religions um, that have this real, real hard edge about mm. abstinence that I also don't think is the right way to go. We need to find some right. sort of a balanced viewpoint on it. But if we could culturally enforce that, that there would be ultimately more people would have value in their life because their value systems would be stronger. You know, and so if you, yeah. if you build up people's core value systems, and make, turn them into something that's rewarding in their life and creates satisfactory experiences that aren't tainted by negative impulses, then you build those things up that over time we would find that we would have less violent people coming out of the woodwork. I think that's kind of where he was going. And I yeah, do think that's the I, case, but it's such a long view, you know. Yeah, I agree with that too. Like if you have a couple together, they have a household, they have children that they raise together, it's not just that those two parents are just having sex with each other i mean it comes with a whole i don't know gamut of other responsibilities 
I mean, you have to be responsible, you know, have a, a job, provide for your family. So it's not just the sexual aspect of the monogamous relationship that's affected. It kind of ripples out into all other uh, areas of your life. So if you're doing that and your neighbor's doing that and the neighbor's down the street and everybody in the society is doing that, can you imagine what the effect of that will be? Like if you all have the same value that this is your family unit and you're going to maintain that, everybody knows how to act. So there are going to be fewer outliers who go off, you know, shooting people or ramming bands into people because they don't have a role in society. So if everybody engages in enforced monogamy, if you even want to call it that, then it'll have uh, long-term effects that'll be beneficial for society. Yeah. Well, I think that's yeah. what he was talking about, right? That polygamous societies don't really survive, that mm-hmm. they disintegrate and... Yeah, and I think it's kind, it's kind of like, like these incel, it's basically like the incel perspective <coughs> on things. Everybody is out there having sex except for me, and that's not fair. So I guess yeah. in a culture that actually did kind of have an enforced monogamy, where monogamous relationships were the things that were valued, and it wasn't some big like orgy out there that a certain segment of the population is going to feel like they're missing out on. It kind of seems like the, that would kind of take care of the problem in a certain respect. I mean, I'm sure there would still be issues with some people who are like, I can't find a wife. And that, you know, that might be an issue in and of itself. But it might... Like it, it almost kind of takes away that whole entitlement kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we need to find a way to catch people who are in that transitionary space where they're feeling lonely and jaded mm-hmm. somehow. You know, and I'm not trying to say we need social programs to do that or something, but I mean as communities, you know, and understanding and seeing where people are at. You know. Yeah, like because might... oh, pathological say, like, types kind of take advantage of people's feelings of jealousy or loneliness or entitlement yeah. and they can, yeah so that's one way that pathological types can get an in with some of these people who if they you know thought of things in a different way or had more responsibilities or a role in their life they wouldn't fall for the pathology yeah, yeah. and i would say uh, just real quick speaking to uh men and sorry to be so agender phobic but <laughs> speaking, sorry, I couldn't help it. I'm uh, going to mute my mic. Yeah. I mean, my, my headphones. No. <laughs> but uh, specifically to like the, the men and, and women, but I'm thinking of men. Uh, if you have, say you have a friend who has like was, you know, dating a girl and now all of a sudden like you haven't heard anything about them for a while and you're not sure if they're still together and come to find out they broke up and he's really lonely and he's like spiraling into this space or whatever. You can reach out and be like, let's hang out so that mm-hmm. the, the outcome is not that guy sitting in his apartment reading MGTOW forums and getting more and more bitter, but you mm-hmm. can then be the, the male influence that's like, hey, let's go do something and then have conversations about how to be in the world. And yeah, well, you guys didn't work out and that's fine. You know, it's not, you don't need to like be filled with hate because this didn't go your way, you know, mm-hmm. and have those conversations with people. I think women can too, but I think it's like, you know, like, a man who's jaded out of a breakup is going to have a less meaningful conversation with a woman, I think, generally. Mm-hmm. But, you know, because you don't feel free to share and all that kind of stuff. But I think you can reach out to people, you know, and keep an eye out for where your friends are at. And I think that that can mitigate <clears throat> some of where this goes. Um, but also, I think, to the point of the cultural enforcement of things, is just like speaking out to 
not not just about say you, you know a friend is cheating and you should probably say something to him on the side you know not just that but other things too where like say somebody throws a beer can on the ground where you're out at a park you know and you might feel like saying something but you don't because you don't want the confrontation but really in 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 the standard of your own value system and to respect yourself you should be you don't have to be rude even you should be like hey you know there's a trash can right over there or something like that um you know but speaking up in those uncomfortable situations i think would create more of an atmosphere um that would foster better value systems um the problem is the people that are speaking up right now have no idea why they're saying what they're saying and they're just entitled and just screaming at the top of their lungs and there's no meaningful structure behind what they're saying and so that's why it seems so crazy you know yeah it's interesting too like i think uh enforced monogamy like culturally enforced monogamy it's like it's it, it i think that what you're talking about jonathan is is the case like it, it you know people speaking up but i think it's also just what you know the culture places value on you know, if it is kind of like, you know, through the media and things like that, it isn't people just kind of like sleeping around and kind of glorifying this this type of lifestyle. It's kind of like it's more like, you know, put, placing value on like, you know, the family structure and, you know, devaluing things like cheating and stuff like that. Um, yeah. I have an example like using your litter um, analogy. Um I had uh, when I was a teenager, um, I had this friend, and he was like he was just a good guy. He was just like a solid guy who kind of had a very clear understanding in himself of what was right and wrong. And it was funny because we were just walking along one time, and I was a stupid teenager, and I think we had a slice of pizza or something. I just took my plate and I threw it on the ground. And he didn't actually say anything to me. He just picked it up. Mm-hmm. And when we got to a garbage can, he threw it out. And it was kind of like, okay you know message received it's like why did i just throw that on the ground there's no real reason for (laughs) me to do that like and you know nothing was said but it was like okay it it kind of like the 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 message was received and i haven't littered role modeling (laughs) exactly yeah you don't have to beat somebody over the head with your virtues you just be a good person and maybe somebody else will take notice well it's like back to what you were saying tiffany about you know uh husband and wife and community and and showing children especially young males that mm-hmm. you know each person plays a role whether the husband stays home and changes diapers why the woman goes and works or whatever it is it's like an individual sense of responsibility and instead of blaming and you know i'm this way because this that and the other thing it's like well maybe you could do something different mm-hmm. I think there was a study I read about recently. Um, it was talking about how boys who don't have fathers in the home have poor outcomes and you know education and jobs and behavior and different things like that. But there were certain like uh, areas just scattered all around the country where boys, even if they didn't have a father in the house, they seemed to do well. And the researchers looked further into it and they saw that even though the boy didn't have a father in his particular house, there was a lot of people in his neighborhood where there were just fathers around and he could use these guys as role models, even though he didn't have that same influence in his own house personally. Sure. That's encouraging. Yeah. Yeah. So 
I don't know though. Is it too late? Is our culture <laughs> so screwed that there aren't like any good real life role models? You have to go on to YouTube in order to find somebody to look up to. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Like I do. Jordan think, Peterson uh, is the surrogate father of yeah. the entire generation. <laughs> yeah. I just heard an interview with Peterson. I don't know if you guys are familiar with a stand-up comedian called Theo Vaughn, but he, he yeah. has a podcast, and uh, Peterson was on there. And he, Theo Vaughn is so funny. If you don't know him, look him up. He's, he's really funny. But he was like, you're just like everybody's uncle, man. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that was accurate. We all need a good uncle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, shoot. I had a point before I started saying that, and I lost it. So it must not have been that important. <laughs> I think uh, <clears throat> I think what we're talking about, like the cultural enforcement of, of value systems, would be good. Um, would be a, a good antidote to this. But oh, I was going to say, I, I do think that we might actually be too late on avoiding extremes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I I it is harp- too late, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I I know I keep harping on the idea that like there's no subtlety in conversation anymore, but I that's I notice that every single day, and I think that like that we might have tipped over some some point, uh, you know, some event horizon um, relating to extremes in our culture, to where it's only going to keep getting more and more extreme, mm-hmm. and each of these groups are going to become more and more insular. And <clears throat> they're going to deny their relationships with each other and their commonalities, you know, to the point where uh, you will have to be a, a part of some group. You can't just be a person. You know, it may even be that way already right now. I don't know if it's so extreme across all levels of society. I think right now it's mainly in the media. You'll see that if you watch the news or you watch modern media or anything, you know, social media and, and things like that. But if you go out, you know, into town and talk to people, I think you find that it's much different. But mm-hmm. I think that's going to leak out into, you know, the quote unquote real world uh, fairly soon. Uh, you know, to the point where, like, <clears throat> uh, I, I have a, a, a hair, my haircut is uh, I, similar to, I guess, it's, so it's short on the sides, but kind of like a faux hawk, right? Where it's longer <laughs> on the top, but it's like buzzed on the sides. And uh, I, I've been told that I had a Nazi haircut. You know, and it was just like, <laughs> you know, it, you don't really, it's hard to come up with something to say because like, how do I begin to explain that that is exactly what you're railing against? Like what you just said is what you're railing against in society, you know? Mm-hmm. And so those extremes I think are going to become more and more pronounced to the point where you can't, I don't know, you just can't like relate. Uh, maybe it's the death of compassion. Maybe that's what's happening, you know, because compassion mm-hmm. arises out of connections between people. And if we sever these connections, we'll have less and less of that. I saw We're understanding, too, Yeah, that people are just different. Mm-hmm. And yeah. being able to accept that and be okay with it. <laughs> yeah. Not try to enforce your views on anybody else. And yeah. have humor, Jonathan. I mean, I don't know. I probably would have found something snarky to say. Mm-hmm. Somebody said that to me about my haircut. I don't oh, yeah. <laughs> well, it, fortunately, it was a, it wasn't uh, aggressive. It was more of a good-natured. Uh, it was a friend of mine who's who's on the like kind of SJW side of things, but we're good friends, you know. So it was it was good-natured, but it still came out, you know. And I had to be like, "What? <laughs> what are you talking about?" 
Um, Jeez. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, I think that that's that's endemic. So I think the way we can fight that in in our own interactions is just to be like reasonable with people and and try to be nice is the wrong word, but just just reasonable. You know, civil. Just don't come. Yeah, civil. Yeah, don't come back with the attack right away. You know, mm-hmm. like it happened to me once. Uh, I don't know this like uh, about a year ago where a friend of mine said something online about how all men are pigs you know and i was just like hey do you think i'm a pig like say it to my face you know and then she's like no i don't think you're a pig you know and then we got to like talk about it a little bit but i think those little things where you can just say like hey do you really mean that you know or what are you talking about and and start discussions about it instead of playing into it Mm because when people play into it then it escalates and it just gets worse and worse and yeah. 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 So hopefully it's not too late. Hopefully not. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how we can have a, a rational conversation about enforced monogamy and its benefits when, on the other hand, people are trying to get us to accept pedophilia. I mean, yeah. <laughs> how can you yeah. even navigate in a world where that is okay? Yeah, I don't know. It kind of does make you lose all hope. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I mean, if you look at shifts in society, like what would cause some kind of a shift? You know, it has to be, a, it has to be some kind of a movement mm-hmm. or it has to be like a leader, you know. Trump's not going to do it. It's too divisive. Well, I think Jordan Peterson, Peterson is might. doing it. Yeah. Peterson might, yeah, he might. But he's also pretty divisive, not, on, not of his own intent, but, you know, just of the, the atmosphere. Um, so I would put Peterson at about thirty seventy, as far as like thirty percent of people like him and are into what he's saying. <laughs> you know, I don't that know if it's generous, that small or actually. not, but yeah, it might even be generous. Because yeah, the people that I do hear talk about him in a negative way. I mean, it's you, you would think that he is filled with hate and that he's spreading a culture of hate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, which is so like when you listen to him, you just can't. It's just not there. So. Well, yeah, and then you have a whole ton of people who have no idea who he is <laughs> at <Yeah>. all. Yeah. <laughs> Never yeah. even heard of the dude. <laughs> yeah, who's this guy? That's that that lends to not to go on and on about this, but that lends to my point about how I think most of this is in the media. You know, because if you bring up popular terms that are around this kind of stuff like incels, MGTOW, MRA, you know, and then you go into like Pepe and the Kekistanis you know, and talking about Sargon of Akkad and, and, and internet trolls and like nobody knows this stuff. Like people in the average world are like, What in the hell are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, so that's true. I, I think a lot of that drama is really just held in the, the bubble of the media. And it's not mm-hmm. yeah. it's not real per se. But it's being made real, which is the, that's the scary part to me, is that all this fake drama is spreading out as though it were something with, with a real basis. You know. Yeah. No, I think that's a good point. I even asked my dad one time, who was a psychologist, and I said to him, hey, have you ever checked out uh, Jordan Peterson and all? And he was like, isn't he the guy who, like, refused to use trans people's pronouns? And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's him. He's like, yeah, nah, yeah, I've, never, I've never looked into him or anything. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm. Yeah. It's just like... Uh, the, the idea of like, and I've said this quite a bit, is like, well, you just can't say X anymore, you know? 
Mm-hmm. And I hear a lot of people say that, well, you just can't say tranny anymore or something, you know, whatever they want to, whatever word you want to inject there. Um, but I, I don't think that that's true either. I don't, you know, the you just can't say. Again, that's all in the media. I'm not promoting hateful language. Don't take me the wrong way. But what I'm saying is I, I think this is fake. And I think another way that we might be able to combat it on a personal level is by pointing out <clears throat> and with supporting arguments clearly to people that it is fake. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you can shine a light on that and be like, you know, yeah, it's happening, but it's only happening here. And it's only happening because a small group of people are talking about it. Uh, and I really think it's a super small group. It's like 10% maybe mm-hmm. of like the, the, the hardcore, you know, activists that are making inconsequential things consequential. I think it's pretty small. But they have really big mouths. They do, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the media, you know, they have the media as a platform. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. Or Twitter, all that kind of stuff. Like, I mean, you just, you look at anything, right? Like the, the manufactured outrage that you see out there over any kind of um, given scandal of the moment, it kind of gets so much traction because it's like everybody just piles on, right? Like as soon as somebody mm-hmm. does something wrong, it's like, oh, forget it. It's over. That person, it's yeah. like the, the tweet storm that follows and like, then it gets into the media and then, okay, we don't like this person anymore because they said this. Like yeah. Roseanne, that's the latest one, right? Yeah. Yeah, it used to yeah. be that you could do something wrong and the whole world wouldn't know about it. <laughs> yeah. Or they used to accept forgiveness, too. I read mm-hmm. an interesting article the other day how it was talking about it's been like an end of forgiveness. Actually, no, it wasn't. It was a, it was a video um, by a YouTube channel uh, called Mouthy Buddha. And it was basically <laughs> talking about forgiveness and how it's like... You know, a person does something wrong, and they say, you know what, I did something wrong, I apologize, I wasn't thinking, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, that's not good enough anymore. It's like mm-hmm. that, that person, it's like the, the, the apology is not accepted, and the smearing just continues. Like yeah, that person your life be must ruined. be ruined. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, it, the, the Roseanne thing is a good example. It's kind of like, you know, she said some stuff, and it's interesting because, you know, what she said apparently was, was uh, deemed as racist. And, you know, she even said, like, oh, actually, I didn't know, to, I didn't know that she was black when I said that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, whether or not that's true, like, whatever. But the, the, the fact of the matter is she came out and she apologized, but no, nah, forget it. No, mm-hmm. you, you are, you're done. You, yeah. you, can't, you can't have a platform anymore. We've kicked you out of the group. Yeah. Yeah, I think the, uh, the Garrison Keillor story was one of the saddest ones out of that because he's like a sweet old man. He's not a lech. I've listened to Prairie Home Companion for like 20 years. I promise you that he, that guy didn't have ill intentions. But well, I, didn't, know, I don't know the story. Oh, God, I don't know if you're familiar with so Prairie Home Companion is a radio show out of Minnesota. There used to be. And it was just like totally down-home Minnesota apostolic Sunday radio, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like um, stories about the town and about Bob down there at the hardware store, that kind of thing. <laughs> and um, there was a woman who, I'll try to do long story short, had like some sort of an event, like a divorce or something. So she was distraught and she was on his staff and he was consoling her and he put his hand on her back. And apparently his hand dropped and he touched her lower back. And then he like, you know, recoiled and was like, I'm sorry. You know, and she said, no big deal. And then later he wrote her an email and was like, look, I'm sorry about that. They didn't, you know, it was an accident. And she wrote back and said, no big deal. Ten years later, 
after all the Weinstein stuff and everything came out, she came out and said, you know, Keeler harassed me, and they took his show instantly. He was here, he was fired, everything was taken from him. You know, and it's just, it's incredible. It's such, like, I don't know. I I think it was sad. And, you know, again, I don't know the details. You know, nobody knew Cosby was raping people, so, Mm -hmm. you know, it's it's up in the air. But from what you hear from the story itself, it sounds really unfortunate. And I personally feel like I have some understanding of, of Garrison Keillor and that that was probably, that he was probably telling the truth, mm. you know, but who knows. <clears throat> yeah, that is sad. But those things get conflated with the really, really bad stuff, like the Weinstein story, you know, he, yeah. he was a monster, and he should be put in jail, and yes, it was extremely bad, and there's nothing equivocal to be said about it, but those things get get conflated with the Garrison Keillor story, you know, or like the Aziz Ansari story, where he was having a, a, yeah. a drunk... A, a bad drunken date with a with a girl, which every man in their twenties has had, or, or at some point, you know, or most. Um, so it's like, yeah, it's just so uh, rife, you know. To uh, well, the other thing is too. I mean, we're kind of way off topic here, but n- nonetheless, yeah, like <laughs> the, the whole thing about when Matt Damon came out and actually said what you just said, Jonathan, that like, you know, I think we really need to be careful about kind of conflating these kinds of issues you know like a hand brushing up against a back is obviously not the same as like sexual coercion or Mm -hmm. rape or something along those lines and he got slammed Mm -hmm. like absolutely slammed just for saying that which i thought was ridiculous like like he he to me i I heard him speaking i'm like yeah right on that's exact that's exactly right and Mm -hmm. and you know people were just outraged by what he had to say yeah well, I think we can actually tie this back into our topic, but that that that, that attitude, I think, is what's also contributing to the, uh, the 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 prevalence of like MGTOWs and MRAs and incels and men who like we we don't want to excuse their like the the ones who are malicious and 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 are hateful. Like we don't want to excuse that. But I think that if we just objectively look at the situation, we can see that the conflation of these events and saying some things are other things when they're clearly not is part of what adds to that culture that brings these these men to the surface mm-hmm. you know because mm-hmm. you know I, i'd be reticent to say that any man who's older than like you know 21 or 22 shouldn't be able to just think for themselves and figure it out but it, it, in the current situation young men who are especially between like i think 14 and like 19 like that age range is super malleable and they're getting the brunt of all of this talk right now about what you should and shouldn't be and so they're extremely fearful about what do I do what do I say you know and I think it's just making it worse it's causing them to withdraw Um, and then you get the the trolley uh, kind of folk who are you know like a bit combative and if you tell them to do something they're going to do the exact opposite just because you know Mm -hmm. there's a lot of those and I think that that's you know they've been brought into that circle anyway I don't know how much more else there is to say about it. We did keep it off topic <laughs> yeah. a little bit. <laughs> but no, so I think uh, we we don't have a pet health segment for today, so I think that we'll just uh, wrap it up. And we'd like to thank everybody in the chat for taking part in that. Uh, mm-hmm. Be sure to tune into the SOT Radio shows this weekend on radio.sot.net, and uh, we'll be back next week with another topic. Okay, goodbye, everybody. Have a great day. Bye. Bye.